Voice of Fintech. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech Africa series. I'm Rudy Fala, the founder of Voice of Fintech podcast. In this series, you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs, investors, incumbents, and ecosystem hub leaders from Africa. And this episode is hosted by Adi Joki. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Voice of Fintech Africa series. My name is Jokere Kunle and today we have Toby Oke, who's the managing partner at V8 Capital Partners. A bit about Toby, he, before founding V8 Capital, he was the head of Intel Capital Africa and has been investing and partnering with investors and global corporates for close to two decades. He's also worked as a director for Standard Chartered Bank, private equity in Lagos, Nigeria, and as an investment professional with HSBC Principal Investments in London, covering the African continent. On today's episode, we'll be speaking about early stage investments and fundraising in Africa. Thanks for joining, Toby. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so let's talk a bit about your background, right? Let's talk about your work at V8 Capital and the moments that led up to your decision to focus on investing in early stage African startups. Okay. Well, it's interesting because I started off my career as a technology entrepreneur, a software entrepreneur at uh, Motorola. And after I did, it, I, I studied information systems engineering. I was quite keen to apply those skills to real life problems. And my journey took me down the line of management consulting with Booz Allen, and then business school, and then private equity. And in private equity, I worked with HSBC before joining Standard Chartered in Lagos. And we looked at a variety of deals from a satellite technology business to FMCG in East Africa to data center in South Africa, to food businesses in Lagos. And at the moment where I realized that all these businesses had similar problems, which was that they were inefficient and they re- and technology, which was my background, would, could play a much bigger role in making them productive, A, as businesses internally, but also be in terms of reaching their customers. And at the time, I was in the middle leading the execution of of Union Bank as part of a consortium, which was largely supported by Standard Chartered and being executed by my team. And I started thinking around the uses of technology and financial services and how it could be completely transformational. And after that deal, or shortly after that deal, Intel Capital reached out to say, look, we want to invest on the continent in technology. And and, and that was really the start of, of my technology investment journey. So yes, that was when I decided, well, this makes a lot of sense. I've got a technology background, a very, very adverse with investing in African businesses. So a combination of the, of the two would be ideal. And with Intel Capital, we were very involved in the technology ecosystem 
from Nairobi to Cape Town, Johannesburg, Lagos, Accra. And we looked at almost every single technology business. We invested in two or three. And, and that's really when the, the penny dropped because I realized that long term, all businesses will be technology businesses. And so it's really exciting uh, being here at the start of it and being able to contribute to it. Interesting. And Viet Capital focuses on early stage companies, largely, if I'm correct. I would like to know why that is. Well, I wouldn't say we focus on early stage companies, but I guess if you compare the stage of the company to a typical private equity company, then it would definitely fit the the um, definition of early stage. But in the technology, in the technology sense, we really are back in businesses at the Series A, which actually would mean that they have an established product, they have established customers, they have revenues, and they're at a point where they, they need growth capital to really expand. So they don't need capital to set up the business, but they need capital to expand and take up market share. Yes, we do look at early stage companies. And what this means is that you you need a completely different skill set. You need to be quite good at seeing where the market is going and also being able to assess if entrepreneurs able to capture the changes, which which we usually describe as disruption. And are you able to speak to some of the startups you have invested in since founding V8 Capital? Sure. We founded V8 Capital in 2017. At the time, we we set up a co-working space in Lecky. And the whole idea was we were trying to capture the next generation of visionary, bold founders. And our belief is that they were mostly going to be situated, living or working in and around the Lecky, the Lecky axis. So we set up a co-working space, which fundamentally provided entrepreneurs with working space, masterclasses, and any suite of products and services that would be useful to them and would give us touch points to the next generation of real, real, you know, impressive entrepreneurs. And the first deal we looked at was AppZone. And AppZone is fundamentally a business or financial services business automate automator. So they help automate processes from the core processes of, of a bank to connecting banks with each other. If you take it up one layer, and then on the third layer is aggregating of financial services products, which is like a full stack. And at the time where they started, it was in 2018, they had just built some products and they it was just a vision and i could see financial services moving in this direction so we took we made the investment and and backed the entrepreneurs the second deal that we we looked at after AppZone was kobo 360 and kobo 360 had was at the series a stage it was raising money at a much higher we had seen this deal uh, a year earlier, and we didn't invest at the time. But it was clear 
that transportation required automation and it's a big bottleneck in the whole uh, economy. And if you have a way to, if, if there's a way for you to automate this and create better outcomes for drivers, truck owners and entrepreneurs, there was a, there's a ton of value that could be uh, created. And we've seen the rapid growth of uh, Kobo 360 ever since. Last year, we invested in 54G, which is basically using the data of the human genome to deliver better healthcare, either from testing, clinical trials, or even drug discovery. And we've seen with the pandemic, how important having precision data is, which, which has been, DNA companies have been instrumental in a number of the vaccines that have come out, or, or the use of DNA data has been instrumental in, in a number of the vaccines. And, but the healthcare space is very largely underserved in, in Africa, and we feel that using of data uh, from the genome, human genome is critical in solving a lot of the healthcare problems. Now, we're currently, we also have an accelerator where we have an agriculture tech business and another transportation tech business. And we, we started that mainly to, because we realized that the very early stage also needed uh, a lot of support. And we felt that we could, with the ecosystem of what we had at V8 Capital, our co-working space, the masterclasses, the network of people that we would be able to really help. So the two accelerator businesses is uh, Truck and then there's Agripool. And there are some other businesses, but we I don't want to bore you with my whole uh, portfolio. And we're just, we're just in, in three more. Interesting. And from all of this, startups that you've mentioned, maybe with the exception of 54G at this point, right? I see some bit of fintech components there. So say, for example, the Cobalt 360 guys, they may at some point, if that's not already within the, their product offering, provide some sort of asset financing service to their customers. But I would like to hear your thoughts on the intersection between fintech and other sectors in the startup space. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think payments, every business has to be paid for it to, to make money. And especially if you're a consumer business, where then you need to have an efficient way of collecting payments. And even if you're not a consumer business, you still need to have, you still need to have a, a payment uh, structure. What I would say is the distribution channels. What we've noticed is that the distribution channels have become effectively more digital. And so people are able to procure and acquire products and services without necessarily being physically present. And in order to do that, so you require very good payment rails or payment infrastructure, which, so you don't need to go to your bank to be able to do a transfer, or you don't need to go to a particular place to clear a check 
or wait for five days for an LC that needs to be signed by a lawyer. All these things in fintech using blue, using blockchain or using switches, digital switches, payment switches, means that you can do this relatively quickly and relatively efficiently, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really a matter of, and what you're finding is that once that piece is done, the payments piece is done, and payments can be done securely, safely, with at, at a very low cost. It allows businesses to transact even more. So it aids the growth of every other business. And you would find in the next five to 10 years, a uh, vertical integration happening, in my opinion, where the payments have been done and people want to take a step back to help with working capital, take a step back, help with sourcing, take a step vertical, you know, integrate vertically further and further down the chain. Mm. And as much as can be automated, I think you would, it would. So, so some people say that every business will become a fintech business. Yeah. But the way to think about it is every business would, would get its payments using technology. So uh, fintech would exist in almost every business, right? Okay, so let's go back to investing, I'd like to know what are some of the things that have held true for you throughout your career in investing so far? Well, over my investing career, I've tried to follow two key principles. The first is investing in value creation and the second is investing in inclusive growth. Now in private equity, those principles translate to detailed understanding of cash flows and, uh, and, and looking at EBITDA multiples, etc. However, in technology and at V8 Capital Partners, inclusive growth and value creation is more focused on how technology allows businesses to automate and also how we disrupt supply chains to create digital distributions that reach more African consumers. So what this does is it includes more of the uh, African middle class and it also allows technology to reduce the cost for the emerging African consumer. Now, this is why we decided to back visionary entrepreneurs who are prepared to disrupt, um, uh, disrupt ver the, the certain verticals that we believe at V8 Capital Partners are ready to be disrupted. So financial services, healthcare, agriculture, education, and transport. And we believe that our focus on the B to B to C business model, uh, which is synonymous with business automation, not only will provide superior returns for our LP, but would significantly improve the standard of living for Africans on the continent. Yeah, I, I particularly agree with you on um, your points about disruption not being about destroying value, but creating value. I would like to understand your view about fundraising in Africa. What has remained constant over the years and what do you think are the things that are changing right now? Well, well I guess fundraising in Africa has always been difficult and I think it remains to be difficult both for, invest, both for GPs uh, and also more so for entrepreneurs. I think there is usually invest in people invest a lot with pattern recognition and you can only recognize a pattern that already exists right 
So typically what you find is that investing in Africa, people tend to look for uh, patterns that have existed either in the US, in Europe, or, or in Asia. And, and these are all useful and can act as a very good uh, guide, but the patterns are not always perfect, right? So I found that it's been, isn't, you need to understand fundraising or when you're raising money, people are looking for patterns, but you need to be able to explain why the patterns are not the same and how the core principles in patterns that people are used to exist, but in different ways on the African continent. What has changed is that the, there's a lot of growth in globally in technology. So there's a lot of growth in technology companies, a lot of market capture by technology companies, and people are slowly but surely realizing that all businesses will eventually end up being digital technology businesses. So we're finding a lot of attention moving away from, from the traditional private equity, should I say. But it's not to say that we would have because technology doesn't require as much capital. And it's not to say that all the capital is coming to technology, but I find that there's a lot more interest, a lot more appreciation of the value that technology brings and the rate of, rate of pace of growth that technology. Right. Speaking of interest, off the back of the recent exits by Paystack, the payments company, and then Flutterweb, which recently raised 170 million and also achieved unicorn status. We're seeing more interest by investors in fintech companies. What's your advice on how fintech startups can capitalize on this and maybe any fundraising tips you have um, for them generally? That's an interesting question. And, and I guess a lot of entrepreneurs are like, how can I be the next paystack or the next flutter wave? What I would say is even just Speaking about those two companies, and I'm not an investor in either, but Paystack, I saw Paystack, I think about four years ago, very early, and it was really trying to focus on uh, merchants that, you know, a, a business line that didn't exist, but was very consistent in the problem it was trying to solve, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, its technology was always, its IP was always world-class and, and extremely effective. So in terms of advice, what I would say is you need to be clear, especially if you're a visionary, you need to be clear of the problem you, you're trying to solve. And you need to ensure that you are solving it in a world-class uh, manner. Right, and the same with Flutterwave. Flutterwave was more around creating, or facilitating easier ways of payment, or or making money more fungible. So, so creating more and more channels of payment, and it's the same is the same approach. They they kept pushing for. I mean, in Flutterwave's in Flutterwave's case, we actually saw them after we opened after we started V8. So at their Series A, I think it was in October 2017, the CEO came to our offices and the round was almost closed, but we were very interested with the vision 
we thought that this was this we thought it was a great business but we uh, uh, we didn't have the sort of diligence or sort of we didn't have the sort of diligence or sort of structure to invest that we would have been comfortable with but i think from here the advice to entrepreneurs is you know e at the time was a constant profit for for what he was trying to achieve and at the time there was well we felt that he was going to achieve unicorn status but there was no guarantee so i i would say that focus is key and making sure that you are known for something and doing it really well and being able to expand that fo- that footprint across across in multiple ways and before it you would you would be able to capture more and more of the marketplace and what do you think are some of the understated industries where you see some strong potential for exponential growth and how are you positioning or preparing vh capital for that i wouldn't know i don't know if i would say that there are you know understated but i would say that for us i would say that we are focused in areas where we see disruption and areas that there's going to be a huge impact on people's lives and for us the five areas that we look at financial services everybody looks at that that was the first industry that was being disrupted but healthcare is another interesting one where you have dna companies disrupting how we make drugs or we diagnose people or healthcare in general dna is allowing us to have more precision in the way we administer and then telemedicine is helping us reduce infrastructure cost of building hospitals or just hospital buildings and the rest of it just for you to to take a consultation with a doctor and that has a huge impact in in places like like in in, in african countries we also have agriculture which is which seems like an an area that isn't that doesn't require disruption but when you look at the facts of 30 to 40% of agricultural produce on the african continent wastes and doesn't actually reach any end consumer and mainly because there is information arbitrage and or asymmetry in information which can be solved by uh, technology you find that there's a huge potential to increase output reduce the cost of food and really make a difference in farmers lives other areas that we look at is education because education is almost like a foundation for a strong economy and in africa educational standards would would the african economy would do a lot better with improved educational standards and we feel technology can help deliver this in in a very broad way so you capturing a lot of people with without spending an inordinate amount of infrastructural cost and then transportation which is the main means of receiving goods and services or sorry just goods that would have required a uh, brick and mortar normally but now can be delivered to people especially in a post pandemic world and that speaks to retail as well retail being mainly through a digital device 
as opposed to in, in you know, person. There are huge opportunities in ICT because we're all, because we are constantly increasing how much data we consume and the infrastructure of having, you know, good cloud systems and data centers and aggregated data is a huge opportunity. And, and, I, and I believe infrastructure players are also looking at this. So these are areas that we feel have a lot of potential. And for V8 Capital Partners, we have chosen to focus on the top five and opportunistically look at the other two based on, 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 on what's going on in the marketplace. And on one last question, how have you gotten better at investing over the years? Well, I think at the start of this, we, re- we, we understood that technology was going to play a key role. And so we were very interested in how technology actually helped individual businesses where we were we would it was just an extension of private equity days where we looked at the business understood it and then we tried to plug in technology but over over the time this has radically changed because we have a much deeper understanding of technology and what technology can do and it's almost reversed it on its head which is we, we now understand the best approaches in the market for where the market is from a technology point of view. And we're now able to see the brick and mortar businesses that are ready for adoption, or should I say disruption? People don't like that mm-hmm. word. And it's an interesting perspective because what, it, 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 what has come to, to fall in our investment thesis and strategy is that Disruption is actually always going to happen. And it's not really something that V8 Capital decides. It's happening in, in any case. What we've become very good at is understanding it and being able to predict when next is going to occur. And having the deep understanding of technology and its impact and also the environment. Because you have to put this all in, in perspective. And it's one of the hallmarks of how we operate at V8 Capital. We we are global thinkers, but we act locally. And acting locally will tell you and give you an idea of whether disruption is ready and what the circumstances for that disruption would be. So I think our journey has taken us from being technology experts to being disruption experts. And as a disruption expert, you then decide at what point in this disruption should I make an investment and and what's the long term and how firmly are we going to back an entrepreneur in, in that journey. And I think over the last five years, especially starting off from Intel Capital, we have gotten better and better at, at being able to tell the point of disruption and, and, and the value in each point. Or attitude. Oh, makes sense. Thank you so much, Toby, for your time here today. I appreciate the insightful conversation so far. And I look forward to, you know, picking up another conversation with you just to see how things are regarding respect to investing in Africa. I believe there's so much we can still learn from you. Thank you for your time.
No, thank you so much, Jocke. And it was, it was always a pleasure chatting. And hopefully, if you want to have another chat, it would mean that we're doing something right. So hopefully, looking forward to having <laughs> All right, then. Enjoy the rest of your day. Cheers. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.